It's really good to be here. This is a lot of fun. I've been looking forward to this. Um, it's, I'm going to swing this around that way. Um, thanks, Josh, for the encouragement. I, uh, speaking of reliable men to entrust things to, that's been Josh. Uh, it's been it's fun for me to be here, and uh, one of the greatest joys for me over the last couple of years has been watching this church grow up, get planted, and grow, and uh, watching God do what He's done before you know Josh's eyes. It's a lot it's a lot more enjoyable for me since I'm not the guy putting my life on the line. I get to watch Josh put his life on the line, <laughs> and uh, he really has been. He was in. Church of the Valley for eight years, and was a very faithful man there, very reliable, somebody who made things happen at Church of the Valley. So when uh, God called him to come here to start the church, uh, we, we knew there was going to be a hole which God has, has filled, because he's faithful as you give things away, God always uh, brings it back to you and takes care of your own needs. But uh, it's, it's been fun to watch as you all have teamed together to make this church go and to see how God is beginning to put the pieces together for the ministry that he wants to do in, in Orange Crest for years to come. And it's, it's just a, a real joy for me. feels like home, really. This feels like home to me, um, except for the fact that my wife usually doesn't sit on the front row with me at our at our church you know but uh because you know so many people are here that were at church in the valley and then cindy and i actually lived in canyon crest for a while after we graduated from college we were there for three years or so before i went to graduate school in fort worth helping to start a church in that area that actually ended up merging with another church and i think it's still going now but so it's, it's fun to be here it's it's been, been fun to see Josh come to Orange Crest, which was close to our, our territory for a while, and see what God's done through Josh and Erica and the launch team, and then the team that's grown up beyond that. We're starting a message series today, and I'm going to do two messages this week and next week, and then Josh is going to pick it up and roll with it from there. The goal of the series, I'm just going to be up front with you, is to encourage you to pray and to give you some practical handles on how to do that. What is prayer? What are some handles for, for praying? Prayer is one of those things uh, where I, I always feel like a novice. I've been trying to learn how to pray for years. <laughs> I've been you know, walking with God. I've been in ministry for 22 years. But I feel like I'm just starting to learn about the Lord, to learn how to pray and walk with Him in it. The one thing I do know about prayer is as you take things to God and you ask Him to, to work in line with His will and, and His way, He answers prayer. He, he uses my conversations with Him, and He'll use your conversations with Him, and I know He already has. He uses those just to listen to me and to communicate to me things that are on His heart. Uh, acceptance, approval... Um, encouragement, guidance, correction, whatever's needed. And it's always out of love and, and grace. Prayer changes things in me, and it changes things in the world around me as I pray. 
God, God works to accomplish His purpose. In fact, prayer is the most important thing that you can do for the people that you love. The most important thing that you can do for those that you love. Jesus prayed all the time. All the time. He, he prayed when His schedule got demanding. When the crowds were gathering around him, he was just strung out by all the pressure of the people's needs and things that were going on. He pulled away to pray. Before he chose his 12 disciples, he spent the night in prayer. When tragedy struck, his cousin, John the Baptist, was beheaded. He prayed. When he was worried about his friends that would betray him, he prayed. When he was facing the terrible events of his arrest and death, he pulled away into the garden called Gethsemane, and he spent time in prayer. In fact, that's where the betrayal took place. The disciples, those 12 guys that spent three years learning from him, they spent those three years watching him pray constantly. So finally, one of them asked a good question that really helps us out. <laughs> and we find that question in Luke 11, 1 through 4. It says, one day Jesus was praying in a certain place, when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John the Baptist taught his disciples. He said to them, and then he gives, what he does next is he says, when you pray, say, he gives a pattern for prayer, something not to be repeated over and over, but a pattern, a template for us to use. Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Oh, that's another passage, sorry. Quoted the passage in Matthew 6. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. And lead us not into temptation. So what Jesus does in response to the question, Lord, teach us to pray. We see you praying all the time. How do we do this? I've got to figure this out. The, the disciples had a front row seat to the, the greatest prayer of all time. And so they wanted to learn from him. What he does is he gives us a very simple prayer that is designed to be a template. You know, a template. If I'm going to draw anything, I need a template. Give me a template where I can draw the outline of the thing that I want to draw, and then I fill in. I fill in the blanks. I, I color it the way I'd like to, and I do all that. That's what Jesus does with this prayer. It's a template, and we fill in the content. He says that we're to start with praise. Father, hallowed be your name. And then we're to set our hearts on cooperating with him. Your kingdom come. Not my kingdom. It's not about This life's not about me getting everything I want, building my kingdom, making my name great. This is about you about your kingdom. And then he says, give us each day our daily bread. Uh, this is just making requests to God, petition, asking God for things. We, we ask him for our daily needs. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. Forgiveness, both forgiving those who sinned against us and getting forgiveness from God is to be a part of our regular pattern for prayer. It's a part of the template that God has set up for us to, to use. And then, lead us not into temptation. We're to pray for protection, spiritual protection from the enemy who's out to attack us and take us down spiritually. 
So we're going to use this template in this series. We're going to take phrase by phrase, and we're going to see what Jesus was trying to tell us about prayer in those different phrases. In his teaching on prayer, Jesus explains that prayer is a conversation with God at the heart level. That's, that's all it is. If you want to know how to pray, if you, can, if you can carry on a conversation, you can talk to God. If you can turn your, your thoughts to Him and your heart to Him, you can pray. That's what, that's what prayer is all about. It's a conversation with God at the heart level. Love and a loving relationship with God is the heart of prayer. And love is what motivates us to pray. It's love that love for God that out of a desire to please God uh, and out of a desire to live in a way that pleases Him, we pray. We ask God for help doing that. I need help. Lead us not into temptation. God, help me figure out what you want here. So we're asking God out of a desire to please Him. Uh, we ask Him for help. Out of love for our family and friends, we pray for them as, as they're going through stuff. Even our enemies, Jesus says. We're, we're to pray versus just worrying and trying to help out of our own strength. You know, sometimes we think worrying. If, you, if there's something that we're going through or something that someone close to us is going through, sometimes we think if I let that thought go, it's not going to get dealt with. But Jesus shows us to take those worries and give them to him in prayer, to talk them over with him. Prayer is a life preserver, but it's much more than a life preserver. It's okay to pray when you're, you know, things are getting harried and scary and life's going south. There's a lot of trouble. That's okay to pray, but it's not the whole thing. That's, that's just a little piece of prayer. Prayer grows out of a right understanding of God. And Jesus is in this prayer helping us to gather that right understanding. A distorted knowledge of God, a distorted understanding of God and who He is, um, what, it, what, it, what that does is it stymies our prayer life. If, if you see God as critical and demanding and easily upset, What's going to happen? You avoid him. Many of us struggle with that. I mean, you know, we just struggle with, oh, you know, I just feel like I'm in a hole with God. If I, if I turn to face God, I'm not quite sure what he's going to do with me. And you find in Scripture that when you turn to face God, you know, the, the Bible says that every one of us has decided every person on the face of the earth has decided to go their own way in life, to live life without God, independent of Him. We're in rebellion to Him. We've gone our own way. And that, that decision to rebel cuts us off from knowing God personally. So every one of us in our natural state is separated from God. And, and there's this fear that if we turn around to face God, we're not quite sure what, what is he going to do. Is he going to step on me? Is he going to slap me? Is he gonna, what is God going to do with me if I, if I turn to face him? The scripture makes it clear that God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. 
So even in our rebellion, to be a sinner means that you rebelled. You rebelled against God. You've decided to go your own way. And even in that rebellion, God loves us deeply. And he sent his only son to pay the price on the cross so that we wouldn't have to pay that price. The price of death, separation from God. We can reconnect with God and we can, we can learn to walk through life with him. And so, if you have the wrong picture of God, it's time. You don't want to talk to God. You're afraid of him. And you're not quite sure if he's going to slap you or crush you or what. But what you find in the Word, in Scripture, is that you can turn to Him and He's got His arms open wide to receive you. He is there to hear you, to talk with you, and to show His love to you. And there's, you know, like a good father, He corrects, He straightens us out as we pour our heart out to Him. But, but He wants to hear it. He, he wants us to talk to Him. Um, Jesus shows us in his life that God loves us deeply. And like a small child, he can't draw a bad picture. God's children cannot pray a bad prayer. You ever seen a parent, you know, their two-year-old draws something? They bring it to, oh, that is great. I love that. And you're, you're looking at it going, wow, that's a parent right there. Not sure that's the greatest thing I've ever seen. But the parent is nuts, you know, over the thing. You know, that is fantastic. I love the drawing. That's amazing. Yeah, I can see. What is that, by the way? You know, you learn to ask the right questions. <laughs> oh, it's a horse. That's great. Um, just, just like a, a small child can't draw a bad picture, we, we can't pray a bad prayer before God. He, he wants to know what's on our hearts. He, he wants to hear what we're thinking. And it may be off by a mile, what we're thinking, what we're feeling. It may be off, but he wants to hear it. Because in sharing that with him, he, he can correct us. He can straighten us out. He can, he can help us to understand more about what he's doing. It's an important way that we learn his will and his ways. is by just pouring our heart out to him talking to him about what's going on. Uh, before giving us this model prayer, Jesus uncovers two common errors in prayer. I'm going to walk through these, hopefully scoot through them fairly quickly. First common error is a faulty focus. Matthew 6, 5-6 through 6 says, When you pray, Jesus, there were two versions of this model prayer. The one that I read earlier in Luke 11 and the one I'm going to be digging into right now in Matthew 6. And they're not exactly the same. I think that's because Jesus didn't want us to, to have the same words that we thought we needed to say over and over again. He just wants us to use this as a template, as an example of, of how to pray. And so he says in Matthew 6, 5 and 6, When you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, which is basically the word in the Greek that this was originally written in, Hypocrite was an actor. You're pretending to be someone you're not. They would literally put, when they acted in those days, they'd literally put a mask in front of their face to be another character. And that's, that's what's communicated here. Don't be a hypocrite before God. Be who you are. He knows who you are anyway. You're not, you're not fooling anyone. Just be who you are. 
He, he loves you, so you can be who you are. Don't be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by men. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. The Pharisees, who he's referring to here, the ones who like to pray on the street corners, uh, they were the religious leaders of the day, and they put prayer on a time schedule. So you, you would pray at 6, 9 in the morning, 12 noon, 3 in the afternoon, and 6 in the evening. Prayer was on a time schedule. And if you were really good, what the guys liked to do was, if they were really good, they could end up right in the busiest intersection of town at 12 noon. You know, all the people were around. Oh, it's time to stop and pray. So they would stand on the street corner and they would pray so that men would see how righteous they are. So they could prove their righteousness to the people around them. And Jesus said, they got their reward right there from the men around them. That prayer didn't hardly even get past any kind of atmosphere at all toward God. This kind of prayer is focused on self-righteousness. Genuine prayer. We get our righteousness from Christ. He's, he's given us. To be right, to be righteous means that you're right with God. You're doing what's right before Him. Well, we've, we've rebelled against Him, and, and so Jesus gave us His righteousness. We get it from Christ. And so, uh, praying to be seen by men is focused on ourself and our own righteousness, and that, that, doesn't, that doesn't work. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. Genuine prayer is not focused on impressing others to prove your own goodness. The focus of genuine prayer is the Father. We're to start out our Father, who is in heaven. God doesn't operate on a point system. And so what Jesus is saying here is we the... the the effect of prayer is not our effort, but God's grace and mercy. We, we can't earn a, rela- a right relationship with God, and we, can't, uh, we can only humbly accept what He's done for us. So pride turns out to be a major obstacle to pray. If, if you're proud, you're not going to pray. Second, misplaced trust is a second common error. Matthew 6 says, And when you pray... Do not keep on babbling like pagans. Mindlessness is another major ob- obstacle to prayer. Pride and mindlessness is struggle. We struggle with those things. I do. So it says, don't, don't keep on babbling like, like the pagans. Don't keep on repeating the same words over and over again, thinking that you're going to be heard. For they think that they'll be heard because of their many words. The focus of this kind of praying is on my effort, not God's power and grace to do what I'm asking him to do. Prayer doesn't inform God of anything. Doesn't, he, knows, he knows everything that's going on in your life and mine. He knows all the little details. But he delights in the expression of dependence that prayer is. And he wants to use it to help us gain the right attitude and perspective toward life. So Jesus says, do not be like those who think they're going to be heard for their many words. For your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. 
The wrong focus in prayer in prayer is to trust our effort in it. Sometimes we feel like, oh, I just haven't prayed enough. I haven't prayed the right way. I, this, this isn't happening because I haven't said the right things or I haven't said it the right way or I haven't said it enough. That's all focused on ourselves and our own power and our own effort. And Jesus says the right focus is to trust the God who loves you to do what's best for you. And he does. He's trustworthy. We can, we can rely on him. And God always wants our words and our heart to line up. We can't just call in a prayer, check our mind out, and say, say the words. He wants those things to connect. He wants our words and our thoughts and our heart. He wants it all to be together as we come to him. So then Jesus goes on, and he teaches us how to tune in to God. We get, how, do we, how do we connect with him in prayer? How do we tune in to what he's doing? Matthew 6, 9 says, This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. There is no record of anyone using the word Father in prayer this way before Jesus did this, before he said this. There's there's no record. People didn't pray to God this way, so he's breaking new ground and showing us we, we can talk to God as our loving Father in this way. Um, it shows us two things. That when we come to prayer, we should have a tender, respectful love for God and a confidence in His love for us. Because that's how it is with a good father. A good father loves his children and wants to hear from them. Um, Jesus teaches us to approach God as a loving Father, first of all. He says to pray our Father in heaven. And uh, we pray that out of love. Love is a pure motive behind genuine prayer. A love for God and a love for the people that he's put in our world. Uh, Jesus gives us a family prayer to pray. It's focused on the Father, on His name, His kingdom, and His will. These things are best for us. As you, find, you find out there are two kingdoms, king, kingdom of the world and kingdom of God. Inside of God's kingdom, if you're a citizen of His kingdom, there is righteousness, peace, joy. There is real life. There is good stuff that happens in that kingdom. So our, our focus is on Him, the King, our Father. Our Father happens to be the King. He's, he's made us His children in Jesus Christ. And so a love for God and the people He puts in our life is the motivation for prayer. Prayer is the way that we can go home to be with the Father any moment just like that. No matter what's going on in your life, you can turn your heart, you can turn your thoughts, you can turn your words to prayer. And you'll be home, just like Dorothy in the land of Oz. You know, she, she was there, and she's think weird things are going on, as far as I'm concerned, in that, in that land. <laughs> you know, there's munchkins, there's all kinds of stuff. She clicks her heels, she's home. Probably could have done that the whole time, didn't know it. We can do that. No matter what's going on in your life, at work, in your family, in your neighborhood, with, with your friends, in your relationships, in your finances, at any moment, you can click your heels and be in the presence of your Father who owns it all. You can just turn your heart to Him and pray. Prayer is a way that we go home 
to our Father, no matter where we are. So Jesus gives us a family prayer focused on the Father and His name, His kingdom, His will. And there is no concern of yours that God doesn't want to hear about. None. When, uh, when I get a call on my cell phone and it says, you know, it's one of my kids, and I answer it, and they say, hey, Dad, they have my attention. I rarely ignore them. You know, you hit the button, you're busy, you don't have time to answer the phone. Rarely. I would have to be doing something like this to ignore them <laughs> on the phone. If they called right now, I don't have my phone. That's how it is with God. He, anytime we turn our thoughts to Him, He hears us. He's there waiting to hear. We, we, he, we, we have His attention. Some people say, you know, I'm not going to bother God with this little detail of my life. I just, I'm not going to take it to Him because I, I can handle it. And God has bigger fish to fry. He's got more important things to do. He's trying to you know, come up with world peace and He's working on the bigger issues in the world that are going on. So I'm not going to bother him with this little detail. When you do that, what you do is you, you, you block God off. You wall him off from that part of your life. Because what he wants is he wants to be included in every detail. He can handle it. He can handle whatever he's going to do with world peace, which Jesus made it pretty clear that's not going to happen until history wraps up. So we don't have to worry about world peace. We know it's not going to happen for a while. God can handle whatever he's doing with, in the grand scheme of things with the history of the world and the details of your life. And he wants you, as you're struggling with a relationship, if you're struggling in your marriage, if you're struggling in a relationship with a child or with a parent, or you're, you're worried about your finances, you're, you're wondering, what is going to happen with my job how are we going to hold this together? He wants you to take the details. He wants you to take your worries and concerns to Him. And when you take them to Him, you're in the presence of a Father who loves you. Our Father, hallowed be Thy name. This, this not taking everything to God, you know, handling the little details, I should be able to handle it myself. It's an act of pride, really, doesn't it? I got this covered, God, no sweat. I don't need you. You wall him off. It keeps him out of that part of your life that he really wants to be involved in. It reveals a distorted picture of God. And that's what Scripture does. It helps us get the right picture of him so that we can live, live our lives in a way that honors him and brings, brings his blessing to us. Matthew 7, 9 through 11 says this, Which of you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then... Though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask Him? Uh, if, if we can't offer a simple, heartfelt prayer over what is going on in our life right now, we don't have the right understanding of God. We, don't, we have a distorted understanding. If we can't or won't or don't, then we don't understand God. Next thing Jesus says, to do to tune in to God is to give honor to his name. He says, hallowed be your name. That's not a word we use very often. doesn't come up in everyday conversations. Hallowed. That was so hallowed. It's kind of a cool word, though, you know. It's like, 
that is that is hallowed, man. I, I, I don't know. But anyway, we don't use it very often. What, what it means is to give something the proper weight of significance. It's hallowed. It's set apart for a special purpose. So when we hallow God's name, when, when his name is hallowed, we're giving him the right weight of significance in our lives. And so we're praying that his name would be hallowed. A name in the Bible is always a reflection of a person's character and identity. Their reputation is wrapped up in that name. The Pharisees, those guys that stood on the street corner to draw attention to themselves, they focused their prayer on their own name and their own reputation. But in saying this and making this a part of the template for prayer, Jesus says that the right kind of prayer is focused on God's name and God's reputation. You know, he's, he's the king. He's the boss. And we're used to going to authorities, aren't we, for permission, for resources, and funding for things. Um, like in, uh, in a work situation, you go to the boss and you ask him for permission to do something, um, maybe some resources to pull off a project. You go to the boss and you ask him for this stuff, and he says yes or no. Now, what the boss is going to do, the boss is going to give permission and resources that will help advance the company, that will help accomplish what he thinks the company needs to accomplish. It's the same with God. You, you, you can sort of learn your boss. After a while, if you go ask for permission for certain things, resources, you sort of have him wired or her wired, don't you? Well, I know I shouldn't ask for that. <laughs> I can maybe, but I'm not going to do that again. You sort, of, you sort of learn them. And it's the same with God. God is going to grant permissions. He's going to provide resources to advance his kingdom. That's exactly how it is in prayer. And you learn God. God you, he wants us to feel free to ask him for everything. Now, he's going to respond either with a yes, with a wait, wait on that, or with a no, or with, you know, maybe. We'll see. You know, he's, he's, he's got a bunch of responses. But we learn about God as we take things to him and as we learn to trust him with the details of our lives. It's one of the key things you learn in prayer. It's not just about you and I. It's about God and what He wants to do in the world. So, to pray in God's name means that we intend to honor Him with our lips, with our lives, with our thoughts, with our families, with our work, to give Him the proper weight of significance in our lives. So, if we pray this prayer and we don't intend to live it, then it's a hollow prayer. It is. David prayed something similar in Psalm 86, 11 through 13. Teach me your way, O God, and I will walk in your truth. Give me an undivided heart that I may fear your name. I will praise you, O Lord my God, with all my heart. I will glorify your name forever, for great is your love toward me. You have delivered me from the depths of the grave. So Jesus says, set your heart on his kingdom, his will. And then he also shows us in this that Praise is always the doorway into the presence of God. Psalm 104 says, Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. 
We start out praying by giving the Father what is due Him, praise and thanks. And that's how we tune in to God and what He wants to do in our lives. There's some next steps that you could take in response to listening to this message in your listening guide or your outline that you have there. Maybe one of the things you want to do is memorize this verse that I just read, Psalm 104. Enter His gates with thanksgiving and His courts with praise. Give thanks to Him and praise His name. This is the way we connect with God and tune in to what He's doing. Or maybe you want to change a faulty approach to prayer. As, as we talk, as we look at what Scripture says, what Jesus was teaching us, there's been a faulty approach that you've had. You may want to just let that go and, and change that with God's help. And then you might want to add, maybe one of the things you want to do, another step you could take is add praise and thanks to your prayers. Maybe they've been primarily life-preserving prayers, which that's okay, you know. When you're in trouble, when you're struggling, life preservers are good. God wants to help. But maybe you want to add praise and thanks to your daily prayers. And then something else you could do is attend this series and ask God to begin to teach you through it how to talk to Him and how to pray, how to use this template for prayer that He's provided. Would you bow with me before we continue in worship? Father, we thank You for Your kindness and Your goodness. Lord, we bless you and we honor you for the way that you have saved us in, in the midst of our sin and rebellion. You, you have, God, been gracious and kind and merciful to us. And I ask, Lord, that you would help us to go to you more and more with confidence before a loving Father who wants to, to grant the things that are good for us. And, and Lord, I, I thank you for your patience as you speak to us, as you teach us, as you train us, as a good father trains his children. We praise you and honor you, and I pray you'd help us, God, to uh, take these steps that you've laid on our hearts and give us the power to do them in the name of Jesus Christ.